Hey church family, service will begin shortly, but we want to share a few announcements before we start. First, if you're visiting in person today for the first time, please, please let us know. We've made it easy to do so by visiting our I'm New Wall located in the lobby. We even have a gift for you. Hey, maybe you haven't heard, we are hosting a movie night this Sunday at 6 p.m. This movie is still in movie theaters. The Blind is about the life and testimony of Phil Robertson, the Duck Commander, and his family. You can purchase tickets online. The link has been in our e-news and on our website. If you get your phones out and use your camera to click on this QR code on the screen, you can also purchase tickets that way. Veterans Day is November 11th, and Veterans Royal Outreach of Shelbyville is hosting a brunch that Saturday morning. It starts at 10 a.m., and they're located at 506 Bradshaw Street. The goal is to let our veterans know they have a community ready to support them and fellowship with them. If this is something near and dear to your heart, consider donating your time or any items for the brunch. If you would love more info on this event, contact Stephanie Schilling at 502-529-9336. Operation Christmas Child Shoe Boxes are now available to pick up. Just remember the collection will take place the week of November 13th through the 20th. Our next Pathway session is Tuesday, December 5th. For those that don't know about Pathways, it's our on-ramp to membership and involvement. There are three sessions or steps to our Pathways. We provide a meal and childcare. Go to our website, click on the Pathways banner to register. God has been at work changing hearts, restoring lives, and we are blessed to see it each week. Join me in celebrating last week's baptisms. Good morning, church family. Will you stand to your feet? I want to read something to you. I'm I'm ready to praise the Lord. I don't know about you. We had a concert last night. I didn't have a concert. I was at a concert last night. There was about 20,000 people in there just singing their hearts out, praising the Lord. I'm just like, that's what it is right here on Sunday morning. How many of you love to praise the Lord? I'm going to read Psalms 150 to you. Sometimes you might think, why do we use guitars and drums and all this stuff? It's right here in Psalms. It's right here in Psalms 150. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise him unequaled for his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of a ram's horn. Praise him with a lyre, a guitar, and a harp. Praise him with the sound of a tambourine. There we go. Praise Him with dancing. I don't know if any of you all have any dancing in your feet, but hey, maybe you have a stomp in your feet this morning. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Amen. Praise Him with a loud cymbal. Let everything, everybody say, let everything. everything. That has breath, which is me, which is you, praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's make some noise. We got this new song, so I need you to make some noise and clap your hands like this. Yeah. Raise the praise. Let everything. Let everything. That has breath. 
man has been. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has bread. Praise the Lord. I praise him in the valleys. I praise him on the mountain.
never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. power in the name of Jesus there's no name given to anyone under heaven but the name of Jesus God we worship you we know when we call out Jesus something happens I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus.
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, oh, we call upon the name above all names, let's shout it out.
in incredible, incredible ways. And, and this is like off script, so don't worry about it, we'll figure it out, all right? I believe in the power of what God is doing in people's lives. And uh, I don't want to embarrass them, but AJ and Christina, we've been praying. Would you guys stand up? Would you guys care to These guys just had a little baby girl that was born at a little over two pounds. Luna, she's still in the NICU, but they came to worship. God's doing stuff. And so here's what I want to do. There's other people in here right now that need a special touch and a special prayer. That something's going on. Something's going on in your life right now that you need Jesus. And if you wouldn't mind just to stand up, if you just need something right now, look at this. And if you are anywhere near any of these people, would you stand up and put a hand on their shoulder? And would you speak Jesus? Would you speak Jesus over them? Because this church, this church can't heal nothing. I can't heal nothing but Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And so while we sing, you guys just speak Jesus right now. Let's go. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression. Speak Jesus, oh, I just want to
And just came up here to remind me that when she was bored, she weighed just a little over two pounds. And now she's 84 years old. And God, God, God. Wow. Wow, we already had some church today. It's amazing to me. We're on this road to recovery. And it's, a, it's amazing to me how things change subtly. Do you, do you realize how many words that we use on an everyday basis that don't mean the same thing they did when we used to use them? You know? That we, they're, they're spelled the same way, they're pronounced the same way. But it used to be, you know, if something went wrong, we say, that's, that's bad. That's bad. And now it's like if something's right, that's bad. <laughs> you with me? Yeah. Or it, it used not to be a good thing to get sick. And now it's like, that's sick. You know? It, it's like it's the same word, but somehow its meaning changed. What one group sees as bad, another group sees as good. Here's what Isaiah said, for what sorrow for those who call evil good and good evil. Those have changed. Things that used to be unthinkable are now like expected. Expected in our, in our world. No matter how bad, or no matter how we define bad and good, here's what you need to understand. The Bible always teaches truth. Always. And that hasn't changed. And so today on this Road to Recovery, as we continue this series, we're, we're going to look at character defects. You know what those are? And, and, and we've got to look at those. We've got to look at our own and be, be willing to change, to be different. And so, so let me define character just real quickly. I'm going to cruise through some stuff here. Character is a person's moral, ethical qualities. It consists of beliefs and moral principles that guide their behavior. And, and this is where things get murky is our beliefs and what we consider to be right and wrong or consider to be moral, they don't agree all the time. Did, did you know that there are some cultures, there are some cultures in which the ability to deceive and manipulate is considered a good thing? And we're not talking about all over the world. We're talking about here in America. I don't know, Washington, D.C. You know, the, the, the things that we would have never thought of. Now that's considered, man, if you can do that, that's good. You're going to climb the ladder because you can do those things. In some societies, having multiple intimate partners is considered praiseworthy. Way to go! How do you determine whether something is a def defect or an asset? A deficit or an asset? It, it's accounting principles, but whether it's in your favor or against you. How do you determine that in life? The Bible's full of stories of sinners who became saints, uh, of outcasts who became heroes, slaves who became kings, all because they encountered a God that transformed lives. I'm going I'm to list some of them for you real quick. And, and if you're into like taking notes, or especially if you're the picture taker person, wait, because the, the last slide will have them all. But here, first of all, let's look, let's look at Saul. You know what Saul's character defect was? Saul was misguided. He was misguided from an early age when he was just happened to be standing there when some older gentlemen decided they were going to stone Stephen for his beliefs. And they gave their coats, their outer garment, they handed them to Saul, this teenage boy that was standing there. And so he thought that was the norm. He grew up, he became a great Pharisee. He became a persecutor of the church until he encountered the risen Lord. 
And, and then you move on Rahab. Oh, come on. You know what Rahab was? Rahab was promiscuous. I mean, promiscuous to a high degree. Rahab was the local prostitute. She lived on top of the wall, the city of Jericho. And every man in the city knew her name and many knew her. That was Rahab. And, and then God stepped in and she, she helped hide the spies that were coming to take over the city. God saved her. And then the most unbelievable thing, you get into Matthew and you start reading the genealogy of Jesus. And guess who's there? A prostitute that God used in the lineage of the birth of his son. That's a change from a character defect to a win. Let's go to the next one. The next one's Nicodemus. Nicodemus is, he, he was fearful. Nicodemus was a Jewish leader who actually believed that Jesus was who he was saying he was in terms of Messiah, but he was scared. He was afraid of his group of people, and so he always came to Jesus at night, or came to any following at night, until they killed him. And then he stepped forward and was bold and brave and became a leader for Jesus. He helped bury Jesus. David, Bobby talked to you last week about David. David lost focus. In the fall of the year when all good kings go off to war, what did David do? He stayed home. He lost his focus. He took his focus off what he was supposed to be doing as a king and put his focus on what? On a woman that was married to another man. I'm, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I, in my mind, I'm fairly convinced that wasn't the first time David had seen Bathsheba. That's why he stayed home. Everybody else leaves. Now there's really nobody to say anything. And he lost focus. But then came back to God, was repentant, asked for a clean heart, and God restored him and used him. But there was still, there was still punishment because of that. But he became used. He got, he got past his character defect. Jonah. Jonah's this dude in the Old Testament that's so judgmental. If you've never read the book of Jonah, it's only four chapters. It's an easy read, and it pretty much goes like this. Jonah's going through life. God calls him to go and speak to the people in this town of Nineveh uh, because they were all really evil and doing horrible stuff. Jonah doesn't want no part of it because he's like, let them all burn in hell. Get rid of them all. And so he, he decides he's going to run. He's going to run. He gets on a ship. He goes out to sea. A storm comes up. People on the ship f- figure out that he's the one that he's running from God and that God's mad. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish. Most of you know this story. He stays in the fish for three days, gets vomited up onto the shore and says, maybe I'll go to Nineveh. <laughs> but then, but then catch his judgmental spirit, his character defect. After all that experience, he goes to Nineveh. He shares the good news of a God that loves people and calls the people to repentance. And guess what happens? The entire town repents. Like the greatest revival message ever. I mean, the whole town. And guess what Jonah does? He gets ticked at God for forgiving them. That's a character defect. That's a character defect of being judgmental. But God worked through that judgmental man, Jonah, to change lives. Peter, Peter was so impulsive. One of the things I've always heard talked about Peter, he's the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth because every time he opened it, he stuck his foot in it. And, and he was impulsive. I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't do this. And, and, and he denied Jesus three times. 
But he became a leader that preached boldly. One of the greatest scenes in all the Bible is in John chapter 21. It's after Peter has denied Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And, and Peter and the other disciples, they're out, on the, they're out on the water fishing. And they start coming back in and they look and there's a, there's a fire on the shore. And there's some guy in there and he yells, I've got breakfast. I mean, we had a great breakfast here yesterday. A bunch of men came for great. Men will come out for breakfast, okay? And, and so, so they see, Je- they, they don't really understand that it's Jesus at first then Peter does it <laughs> here like when you go swimming when you decide to go swimming you're out on the lake and you decide to jump off the boat and into the water is there anybody here that puts on extra clothes before you do that no we take off stuff Peter it says Peter wrapped himself in his outer garment and dove in and swam to shore and then Jesus starts speaking to him Peter do you love me yeah I love you this is great breakfast by the way I love you Jesus says, well, don't worry about the breakfast. Go feed my sheep. All right. Peter, do you love me? A second time, he asked the same question. Yeah, I love you. Well, take care of my lambs. Okay, got that. Third time. Peter, do you really love me? By this time, Peter's getting a little more. He's impulsive. He's impulsive. That's his nature. That's his character defect. And he's getting a little bit frustrated. This is the third time I've been asked the same question. And Jesus, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then a little bit more firmly, Jesus says, well, go feed my sheep. You know the interesting part of that story? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask him if he loved him? How many times did he tell him, well, then show it, go feed my sheep? So in that impulsive man... God found some great qualities and used him to become a preacher who boldly proclaimed the risen Savior at Pentecost. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Remember the wee little man? Remember some of y'all know from vacation Bible school when you're a kid. A wee little man climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a tax collector at a time when there wasn't an IRS that gave you a rate sheet. Said you make this much money, you owe this much tax. Zacchaeus was in a time when the tax collector just told you how much you owed. That was it. You had no, you had no recourse. You, you didn't have a W-2 or a 1099 or anything. You just like, here, you owe this. And so tax collectors, when they had that much power, they could take however much they wanted. And for the most part, they cheated people. And they cheated people. But he, and so that day he just heard this Jesus guy's coming down the street. So I'm going to go check this out. And so he goes to check it out. He climbs up in a tree and lo and behold, Jesus stops at that tree and says, hey, I want to go to your house. Let's go eat. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. And after a while, Zacchaeus comes out and says, uh, I'm sorry. For anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to repay. In fact, if I've cheated, I'll pay you up to four times what I cheated you of. He was changed. He went from being somebody that was greedy to being somebody that was generous. Only God does that. He takes character defects, works with them and through them to get us to a different point. So what about you? Uh Uh-oh. Preacher just kind of climbed in my lap. Yeah. What about you? What's your character defect? Because we all have them. We all have them. I did not say that you were defective. I said you have character defects. We all have, and so we have to trust a risen Savior, the Son of God, to work within our character defects to bring out good.
And these steps that we've been working through in this road to recovery, in the AA and NA world, this is actually, a com- today is actually a combination of steps six and seven in that world, okay? And step six in the NA world or the AA world says this, we entirely, we are entirely ready, focus on the word ready, we are entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. And the scripture is, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now here's where they go together. Check out, notice what we said in verse six, or in step six, we are entirely ready, all right. Step seven says we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. See the, see the progression there? We get ready, and then we say, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's do something about this. Let's do something, because without doing anything about it, it doesn't make any sense. Because the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In the road to recovery world, all right? Here's principle five that goes along with this, all right? Principle five is basically the same thing. It says voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Because once again, we've always been going back to the Beatitudes. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. In our world here at Shelby Christian, in our recovery program, in community recovery that is for all people, that's for any, anything that's moved your life off center. Yes, it's for people who struggle with alcohol. Yes, it's for people who struggle with narcotics. Yes, it's for people that struggle with sex. Yes, it's for people who struggle with porn. Yes, it's for people who struggle with gambling. Yes, it's for people who struggle with depression and anxiety and all those things. All right? In our program, what we've combined this in, in these two worlds, these two things together, we just say... Ask God to clean us. Ask God to clean us. And so let me, let me run through some questions here and bring this to a focus here at the end, okay? First question is one I get asked all the time. I go around places to speak and talk about addiction and talk about recovery, and somebody will come up and ask, hey, what's your opinion? Is addiction or any kind of harmful habit or behavior, is it a choice or is it a disease? And my answer is always the same. Yes. Yes. It's a choice because it always begins with a choice. The, the person who has become an alcoholic chose to take that first drink. The drug addict chose to smoke their first joint or swallow their first pill. The gambler chose to make their first bet. The liar chose to deceive. The codependent chose to enable another person's bad behavior. It starts with a choice. And then the disease kicks in, especially for those who are predisposed to addictive behaviors. That's their character defect. Because the disease or disorder takes over and things really spiral out of control. Follow me on this. Because I said, we talk about recovery. This whole road to recovery is for all of us because we're all in recovery from sin. But, and so what we have to understand, sin is a choice by its very nature. Sin is a choice that we all make. You don't get pushed because you have to choose. You have to say in your mind, you have to know, I know that God doesn't want me to do this but I'm going to do it anyway. I know God wants me to do this, but there ain't no way I'm doing that. See, it's when we make that conscious decision, sin is not an oops. Sin is not a mistake. It's wrong, but it's a choice. And we got to own our choices. Eve chose to eat what God told her not to. Adam chose 
to listen to Eve because she had chosen to listen to a snake. That's all messed up, but it's choice. David chose to stay home and chose to go up on the roof and chose to look over that side of the roof because like, he knew where to look. He chose to go find Bathsheba. When they were cast out of the garden, Adam and Eve, after they chose to sin, we began to see what man without God's constant presence can look like. And it's not a pretty picture. We're still living there. So where do these character defects come from? They come from two places. Two places. First of all, they come from nature. We, we, we live in a world that has a sin nature because sin entered the world at the bottom of page two. Remember back the first couple of weeks of this thing? Genesis 3, bottom of page 2, sin in this world. We live, we have a sin nature that is all around us. We were born into a broken, messed up world. And we all have needs, and we try to get them met. But our character defects, our defects, are the basic human needs that have then been distorted because of our own self-centeredness. Little babies, little babies. They understand in their mind, I want what I want, and I want it now. Right? It's how we came into the world. It's how we came into the world. They don't know a lot. They know I'm hungry. I need to poop. And I want you to clean me up. That's it. And they will let you know when they want any of that. Boldly and loudly. All right? That's their nature. That's how they were born. Another way we get messed up is our nurture. This is hard. This will probably be hard for some of you, harder for some than others. Some of us, unfortunately, were raised in dysfunctional homes. We were raised in environments where sin is tolerated and in many cases... It's promoted. In the actual drug recovery world, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, and I keep hearing this story time after time after time. I don't know how many women I've talked to that have become heroin addicts that the very first time they used heroin was with their mom. It breaks my heart to know that's the case. And some are sitting and thinking, well, how could a mother ever do that? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't get that at all. But here's what breaks my heart too. How many teenagers that I've dealt with in the last 40 years that were having problems with alcohol that got it out of their mom and dad's alcohol cabinet. That's where it all started. We live in a society where regardless of the warnings, alcohol is accepted. It's promoted. It's encouraged. It's expected. And I'm not saying that one drink in and of itself is going to harm you, but I will tell you this, and I'm 100% correct on this. 100% correct. Without the first chance, without the first drink, there is zero chance of you becoming an alcoholic. Zero. Won't happen. Without the first weekend party in the field, the keggers, there is, or the night at the club, or whatever, there's very little chance of you ever having a DUI on your record. Zero. And this I know for fact. 
outside of one teenage girl that I know of. Abstinence is still 100% effective birth control. There, there, you know that one girl, Mary. Outside of that, outside of that, it's 100% effective. Listen to what God says, but the nurture of the world. What's it say? Oh, everybody's drinking. Everybody's doing a little, smoking a little weed. Everybody's doing a little this. Everybody's eating too much. Everybody's having sex with people they don't plan on marrying or aren't married to. All those, the world's saying it's no problem. And God's saying you're stepping outside of the perfect life that I want you to have. We've grown up in a world that endorses those choices that leads to the crippling disease of sin that holds us all captive. Why is it so hard to change that? Why is it so hard to change that? One of the reasons it's so hard to change our character defects, this is brilliant. You ready? This is brilliant. We've had them so long. We've been bagging those things around for a long, long time. We've been bagging those things around so long and it's kind of like that old pair of tennis shoes that you've got in the garage. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. That old pair of tennis shoes that don't provide any support. There's no tread in the bottom of them, so there's no traction at all. But man, they feel good. They're comfortable. That's, that's where we have a problem. A lot of sin is comfortable. We've we just been doing it so long, it's just like comfortable. I talk to guys, they're like, I, I don't know, Dave. I know probably I should quit drinking, but I won't have any fun anymore. Can I have any fun sober in life? Absolutely. There's a lot of people that have struggled getting to the point. Now, we do have a lot of people around here that will explain to you full face boldly how much fun they're having now. That they don't have to worry about blue lights or knocks on the door that it is. It's different. But we've had these defects for so long. We, it, we didn't get them overnight, but we want to get rid of them overnight. It's hard. It, it, it's hard because it's kind of become our identity. And people say, I know, I know I shouldn't do that or I should do this, but that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. And that mentality encourages us to identify by our defects instead of identifying ourselves as a child of God. God is the only I am that never changes. So this stuff, that's just the way I am. No, I know an I am that is constant and secure. He never changes and he loves you and he wants you to change. But it's kind of become our identity. And, and, and part of that identity is we're just afraid to change. When it comes right down to it, we're just afraid to change because we don't know what that looks like. The, the, the third reason it's hard to change is there is a perceived payoff or benefit to everything we do. I mean, even for really messed up people, whatever that thing is that's messing them up, there is a perceived payoff or benefit, right? Maybe that thing we're doing, maybe it masks the pain or takes it away temporarily. It may even give us an excuse to fail. Maybe it will allow us to compensate for guilt in our life. Maybe it'll help me get attention. Maybe it'll allow me to control other people. We don't do things that we don't get rewarded for. Think about that. That mom, some of you will relate very well. That mom that finishes getting dinner ready and yells upstairs or downstairs to the kids, hey, dinner's ready. Ten minutes later, she goes and says, hey, dinner's ready. 
20 minutes later, she goes and says, hey, dinner's ready. And we all know what's coming. 30 minutes later, dinner's ready. And we wonder why. We wonder why. What just happened was there was a payoff for the kids. They still got to eat. They still got to eat. And they just ticked mom off. And the family has now started a habit that will harm and eventually corrode relationships. Now, mom yelling isn't a big deal. That's just mom. No, it's the mom you created. And it's the mom you drove to death. The fourth reason it's hard to change is really the most, the hardest part. Satan doesn't want you to change. Remember, he's a deceiver. His goal in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of us have been coming to the, some of us have been coming for five weeks now to this recovery series. And you've sat in the room and music's been great and things have happened. People are getting baptized and you, and you think, man, this is awesome. This is good. I'd really like to get rid of this habit, whatever your, whatever your this is. I'd really like to get rid of this. I'd really like to stop hating that person. I'd really like to start hurt, stop hurting from my past years ago. Uh, I'd really just love to change. And then you get out in the parking lot into the car or the truck and you start driving away and Satan starts talking. Yeah. When we worship in here, he's bound from in here. Because our worship will drive Satan away. Amen. But we get out in the parking lot and I get in our vehicle and he starts talking. Who do you think you are? Really? You, you think you're going to change? Just forget it. Other people might do it, but there's no way you're going to change. You're stuck. It's hopeless. It's too hard. Don't even think about changing, but you need to understand this. The Bible says that Satan's a liar. And when he's telling you that, it's not truth. So we've got to stop listening. So let's finish this up on a pause. How do we change? How do we change? All right, ready? Let me give you six things and we're done, all right? First of all, in the book of Romans in chapter 12, Paul said this. He said, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, your thoughts, your thoughts and feelings, they're kind of like your autopilot, your cruise control, if you would. Uh, they're, they're the things that just keep you going. And if you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you think because garbage in means garbage out. And, and if you don't change the cruise control from 70 to 55 to 35 when you go into different speed zones, you're going to be in trouble. And some of us are trying to go through life, all of life at 70, when we need to go 55 and 35. Some of us are trying to go through, my character defect is lack of patience, because there's some of you trying to go through life at 25 and the speed limit's 70. Get out of the left lane. Just saying, there, feel better, all right? But we gotta, we gotta renew our mind. We gotta get things under control. James said this. Here's why it's so important. He said, after, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? Death, all right? Because the wages of our sin is death. And so you got to work your way back to it's the desire, it's the thought, it's the things in our mind. So let me give you six things to focus on real quick, all right? First of all, focus on the marathon, not a sprint. Focus on a marathon, not a sprint, all right? I have never 
run a marathon. I know that shocks some of you, but I drove a couple yesterday, but I'd never run a marathon. But here's what I do know about marathons. I know that if you want to finish the race, much less win, don't sprint the first mile. You're going to wear yourself out. You have to have your mind on the end, on the goal, on the finish line. Proverbs says, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's wonder to the ends of the earth. Like, squirrel. Like, no, we got to focus on the marathon. I know, I know people who keep coming to recovery stuff and to recovery series. This is great. This is great. This is so great. This is so great. I got 30 things that I need to get God to help take away from me. And, and so they keep coming and they keep adding things to their plate. I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of this. And they, and they struggle. You know why? It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming when you're working on more than one thing at a time. So I want to ha- ask you to have the courage to have the courage to ask God to point out the thing that you need to work on first and be specific. Don't say, I want to be a better person. Yeah, me too. What's the specific thing? I want to lose weight. Okay, that's not very specific. How much weight do I want to lose? How much time am I willing to exercise? How am I going to change my eating habits? What are those things? Be specific and ask God to help take away those character defects one at a time. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, some of you know the Lord's Prayer very well. You know, when he gets down to give us our bread, you know what he says, right? Jesus said, and pray, give us this what? Day, our daily bread. He didn't say, give me enough to eat for a month. When the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and the manna started falling from heaven, how much was on the ground every morning? Enough for that day, all right? And so be specific. Focus on a marathon, not a sprint, all right? Second thing, focus on God's power, not on my power. Focus on God's, because if willpower was enough, we'd all be okay. We'd all be clean. I got this. I got this. I, I got this. That sounds so cool, but it will get you hurt every time. Because you ain't got nothing. That's why we speak Jesus. That's where the healing is. I got this. I love when people say, I'm fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, it is, or we wouldn't still be talking about it. It's there. Quit making excuses. Focus on his power, not on our own. Because the beautiful thing that God does is when we, when we get rid of the things that have been harming us, the character defects, he fills the void. You know what he fills it with? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit that are in Galatians 5. He, he fills the void, the emptiness that's in our life. Third thing, focus on this. Focus on what I want, not what I don't want. This is big. Focus on what I want, not what I don't want. Whatever you focus on tends to dominate your life. If you focus on the bad, it will keep dominating your life. Whatever has your attention has you. If you say, I'm I'm not going to think about drinking or sex. I'm not going to think about drinking or sex. 
I'm not going to think about drinking or sex. What is everybody in this room right now thinking about? (laughs) Every one of us. Every one of us. Because we get sucked into that. But what if we focused on what is pure? On Jesus. What if we focused on Jesus? What if we focused on Jesus? Now, what word is ringing through your ears, everybody in this room? Jesus. It's, it's what we focus on. Probably the easiest, best helpful way to do that is to memorize Scripture. Memorize, when have you made a commitment? I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to be crazy. Like, I'm not going to try to memorize the book of Romans this week. What if you, like, I'm going to memorize one verse of Scripture a week. I'll give you a, I'll give you a jump start. This week, Jesus wept. You got it? Jesus wept, right? You got week one. Just keep saying it, Jesus wept. And that's a reminder when you say that, that Jesus cares about us. He cares enough to weep. Focus on doing good, not on feeling good. That's the fourth thing. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. Galatians five sixteen says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When those things start to creep up, those, whatever your it is, when it starts to creep up, if you could change that focus because you know Scripture, if you could allow the Holy Spirit to change your focus, it will change your direction. And you'll focus on doing good, not on feeling good. If you do the right thing, your feelings will eventually catch up with you. Just keep doing the right thing. Just do the right thing. In, in the AANA world, the phrase is, fake it till you make it. And that is, you just keep doing the right thing long enough, your feelings will catch up. Your feelings will catch up and it will change your life. Fifth thing, focus on people who help, not people who hurt. Powerful scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for this is true. Bad company corrupts good character. Any of y'all hear that from your parents about the time you were 16 and started driving? <laughs> you're going out the front door, hey, don't forget. Yeah, and you're like, you didn't know, like, where did they come up with that? It's in the Bible. Bad company corrupts good character. One of the things that's talked about in recovery world all the time is people, places, and things. Guard your people, places, and things. Watch out for that. You know, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. People, places, and things. Because wrong people will take you to wrong places and lead you to wrong things. Good people take you to good places doing good things. Guys, that's one of the reasons it's so critical for all of us to have a network of friends. Around here, we call them life groups. That we get connected with a group of people that we just do life together, but that we know when stuff hits the fan, they're going to be there. And that if it hits the fan for them, that you're going to be there. And then if you're struggling with something and, and maybe things, maybe it's one of, you know, those days at home. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Those who are married, you know, those days. You know, those days when it's not the greatest and, and you leave the house and you're like, I am so ticked. And you go to work and you start talking to your friends about how ticked you are at what he or she did. If those friends that you're talking to aren't followers of Jesus Christ trying to live a godly marriage, what kind of advice do you think you're going to get? Get out. Dump her. Move on. He's a bum. I'll bring my other girls over and we'll take him out tonight. You know, whatever. 
But if the people that you're kind of unpacking to are unloading Jesus back to you because you're on the same journey, it makes all the difference. Focus on people who help, not people who hurt. And finally, focus on progress, not perfection. Some, of you, some people get in, involved in recovery. And like I said, sometimes they take on too many things, trying to fix too many things at once or, or whatever. And, and they don't see a lot of change really quick. All right. I've been in recovery for a month now and I'm still struggling. <laughs> yeah. How long were you in the madness? Like years, but a month. I should be fine. No, no, but I'm better. I'm better. Uh, don't focus on perfection. Focus on progress. And some of you are thinking that God will only love me. The only way God could ever love me is if I get all this stuff cleaned up. Listen, listen. It is impossible. It is impossible for God to love you any more than he does right now. It is impossible for God to love you any more than he does right now. I don't care what you're doing, how ugly it is. He loves you. I don't care what you used to be doing that you've gotten, that he's helped you get under control. He loved you then too. And, and, and in fact, I'm at the point, I can make an argument that it's when we're screwing up the most that God loves us the most. Because it's breaking his heart. Because he sees the future that's at stake. It's the parent. It's you as a physical parent that sees your child about to be injured. Or maybe just having been injured. And you can't, you, you can't feel anything. Because you love them so much. Last thing I want to give you. There's a character in the Bible. His name's Jacob. Jacob is a pretty complex character in the Bible. His story's in the book of Genesis. He's the son of Isaac and Rebekah. He's the grandson of Abraham. He ended up having 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, Jacob's a pretty significant character. But he was known, especially early in life, for his cunning and deceitful ways. That was his character defect. And especially it came out when he and his mom planned to deceive and to trick his brother Esau out of his share of the inheritance. They were twins, but Esau actually came out a little bit first. And so that made him the oldest son. So he was due all the inheritance and, and Jacob and his mom figured out how to trick him out of that inheritance. And then Jacob began to realize as an adult what he'd done. He even came to acknowledge God's hand. He struggled. And so there's this one night where he goes out and he wrestles with God. He goes out. To, you got you to imagine this to get the feeling. You got to imagine driving out to Defoe or to, to Wadi or wherever, out in the middle of like almost out in the middle of nowhere and just out in the field just you and God. And Jacob goes out there to wrestle with God. He struggled and he wrestled, especially because he, he struggled with, I want what I want and I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. But that night, there's this pivotal point, this crossroads, where he's wrestling with facing his, fat, his past. Anybody wrestle with facing your past? I just don't want people to know. You know, one of the biggest difficulties for me moving to Shelbyville nearly 38 years ago? Shelbyville's awful close to Lexington. And... 
not as much now. Back then, I used to worry, what if certain people moved to Shelbyville and they know the whole story, not the current story? We like to forget our past. Jacob wanted to forget his. He wrestled with God all night. And at daybreak, the match was over. And here's the important. Jacob didn't give up. He did recognize the power of the Lord. And from that moment on, Jacob changed. He had seen God face to face. He'd been given a new name. He was given the name Israel. Heard a lot about that lately, haven't we? And those 12 sons he had, those 12 tribes, they got the land divided. That's what we're fighting over right now. That's how significant this is. But Jacob was changed. He didn't have a perfect life even after this, but his legacy is forever because of Jesus. Guys, here's the bottom line. Don't give up the fight. Face yourself. Face God. He will change you, and he'll change your eternity. Just in. In just a moment, the music's going to play. We're going to sing. I want everybody to move. That's what we've been doing recently. I want you to move to the communion station and get your emblems. Bring them back and, and hold them till the song's over, and then we'll take them together. Uh, if you haven't given your tithes and offerings yet, move and do that while you move. Some of you, we've got to get deeper into this idea of prayer and that God changes things. And so some of you can, you can pray standing up. Maybe you need to kneel at your seat. Maybe you need to come down here and kneel at the front or at the foot of the cross. But some of us need to pray. And some of us need to surrender our lives to Jesus and get baptized. Once again, I got good news for you this week. If you're sitting there white knuckling it and thinking, I don't know, I don't want to be the only one. Here's, you will not be the only one. You will not be the only one. I know that for a fact. So if you say, yeah, I need to go ahead and do this. Then while people are moving, Bobby and Jason and some others will be over here um, by the steps. Go there. Go there. But let's all move as we worship.
of bread in it. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that not a bone in Jesus' body was broken. That was the prophecy. That was what happened. His flesh, it was torn to pieces. Our flesh is what gets us in trouble. Our fleshly, earthly desires. And when Jesus' flesh, that part of his body was torn, What was really broken was the curse of sin. That we didn't have to live under that anymore. Let's remember that as we take the bread. And like we just sang, this juice represents his blood. And we were cleansed by his blood. And his blood flows through all of us who have surrendered to him. Let's partake together. And then we've got one more celebration. We've got one more celebration. We're going to get to celebrate another baptism. A mom baptizing her daughter. And it's special to me because that mom was a little girl in my youth group back in the day. And uh, now this whole, this whole family and their whole story. So Sarah's going to baptize Chloe. Good morning. This is Chloe and her mom, Sarah, and she is the sweetest, and she is just so ready to give her heart to the Lord. So, Chloe, if you'll repeat after me, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the living God, and I accept Him, and I accept him to be my personal Lord and Savior. Alright, because of your confession of faith, your mom is going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hey, there's going to be a movie in here tonight that's going to be awesome. If you don't have a ticket and want to come see me, we can make that happen. Go love God. Love people. Watch Him change the world. Let's worship as we leave. Praise because you're sovereign. Praise because you reign. Praise because you're